0: Everybody and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and today, given that we are between seasons two and three of The Crown, we thought that this might be a great time to see if there are any other portrayals of British royal family of the British royal family around this time, uh, which led us, of course, to the 2005 made-for-TV movie, The Queen's Sister. Starring Lucy Cohue as uh, Princess Margaret, Toby Stevens as Tony Armstrong-Jones, and David Threlfall as Prince Philip. As always, I'm joined by my two amazing co-hosts. First, a man who often meets new people uh, via animal noises. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what is your go-to animal noise?
1: Uh, I mean, (sighs) (sighs) what did she do? It was like... (sighs) (laughs)
0: I think that was what she Let's did. Let's go with that. Yeah, this is- yeah. <laughs> also back with us today, a woman who's ready to choke you with her scarf if you try to take her friend's fish. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what's the go-to scarf for this? Is it just the regular scarf or the infinity scarf?
2: Oh, uh, I think it would be a regular scarf because the infinity scarf would be harder to control how tight it is. Okay. So if you're really looking to effectively choke someone, I would definitely go with a regular scarf and preferably something with a strong material.
0: It It doesn't help that it's in a loop already.
2: No, because it's not going to be a big enough loop. They're so going to have to loop it around their head again. I mean, maybe. I think you get less control that way. I imagine the fabric doesn't like stretch as tightly. But I've never attempted this. Now you're kind of making me want to try. I'm not going to do it, but now I'm tempted in my animal brain to do that.
0: Would you? <laughs> would your would your noise be a fish noise? And if so, what does that sound <laughs> <fish> like?
2: Noise. <laughs> I don't know I don't what know. they sound like. Bloop. That part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you took me to a whole other dimension when you reminded me about that scene with the animal noises. <laughs> I'm
0: not here right now. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I didn't want to go back to that either. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it was one of the more memorable scenes from this movie. Speaking of this movie, Ivan, how did we locate this movie? I feel I you found this movie and it was quite an ordeal to actually track it down.
1: Yeah, uh, okay, so the movie that we are going to be discussing today is The Queen's Sister, which is a 2005 uh, made-for-TV British film. I think it uh, aired on Channel 4 um, and has since become very difficult to get a hold of. This is one of those like truly unstreamable films that doesn't exist on any network, legal or otherwise. Um, so we had to hunt it down in the a form of a dvd that was put out by uh, bbc video um and then uh uh, basically extract the 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 video file from that dvd um yeah it's uh it's one of those things where like you put out the podcast like with the intention of connecting with people and like you know <laughs> discussing things that are accessible and that people are going to commiserate around but we went ahead and show us a film that nobody has the ability to watch so we're going to be discussing something that i would be very shocked if any of our listeners have seen today
0: yeah no that's totally fair because we tried to look for it you know i think it was also hard for us uh because you couldn't buy it on Amazon. Like, the DVD was not available available for purchase uh, on Amazon. No, it
1: was. It was. That, that That's how we got it. In the U.S.?
0: In the U.S.? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. What? When I looked it yeah. up, it was, I... like, not available for purchase.
1: No, 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 no. I mean, it was like the U.S. was like the only place where it was uh, like r- available, like in an, for an inexpensive like price, because I think like I probably could have gotten it off of like Amazon.co.uk and paid like a really hefty shipping price. But instead, like I bought the six dollar version on the U.S. Amazon and shipped it to my brother and, and, and he extracted the video file for us to watch. Yes.
0: So thank you. To, thanks to
1: the power of Google. <laughs> thanks to the power of Google Drive, we will be discussing a movie that nobody listening to this podcast is going to be able to partake in. Yes. Unless you want to buy it off Amazon for six dollars yourself and find a working DVD player.
2: You say that like it's hard. Playstations still have those. It, you know, it's just the six dollars.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you to Ivan's brother, um, who's thank the true brother hero brother. of today's episode. Uh, thanks, Broski, As Ivan said. Um, So um, I think, you know, as always, we include a disclaimer at the top that, you know, we don't know for sure if the events that happened here are factual, but we're going to assume that, um, you know, everything that happened in the episode or movie, I guess, in this case is true. But in this case, the movie starts out with a card that's like, this is not entirely true. Like this is based on true events. But, you know. It's uh, it's a fictionalized version of what happens to some degree. So
1: the exact words were some of the following is based on fact and some isn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So this is a this is going to be a real journey today through truth. So will we hit it, TBD. But uh, I think to get things kicked off, Ivan, do you have a quick recap of what this movie is all about?
1: Yeah, so this movie is about Margaret um, and covering like roughly the the same events that we see transpire throughout uh, Crown's Season 1 and 2 and then uh, a little bit beyond. So this is actually our first time kind of going into uncharted territory and, and, and kind of skipping ahead to some events that are beyond where we are in the, the progression of reviewing uh, the, the TV series right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, this, this movie, um, I'll start by saying that there is a, an interesting uh, choice here, both a creative and a logistical choice to tell a story about Princess Margaret and not include Elizabeth in it at all. Uh, so Elizabeth's influence is felt here, but they completely omit her from the story, which ends up, um, kind of altering, uh, the course of how certain events play out. So first 10 minutes of the story, basically we get a very abridged version of the entire, um, uh, you know, kind of ordeal with her and Peter Townsend, not being able to marry uh, uh you know thinking she might be able to marry, but then ultimately being blocked from it uh but here in this version of events we see uh the we see kind of Philip be the one who interfaces with her there there's no tommy lasselles there's no queen mother there's no queen elizabeth it, it, like Philip just kind of represents the crown in this movie and tells her that you know it's a no go with Peter Townsend. So uh, you know, Margaret uh falls into kind of a, a state of kind of party animalism after that. Um, you know, she's hitting the town, her her name is in the headlines, just kind of sort of scandal after scandal. Um, and then eventually she finds herself meeting uh Tony Armstrong Jones, uh, you know, who who we met in The Crown, who was played by uh Matthew Good, who was very suave and you know, very smooth. And this version of Tony. Is is a little different. He he he's definitely confident. Uh, he's definitely you know very creative, uh, but he he's a little uh, less smooth, a little less suave. It seems like Margaret's kind of uh, uh, got him. Uh, a little flustered and and not always knowing exactly what to say, which kind of makes them in some ways an even more interesting match here. Um. Anyway, uh, you know, very similar events play out. They meet. Uh, she goes to his loft apartment. She writes uh something on on um his mirror, which is not barrel in this version, and then we can get into that a little bit later. Uh. But they end up uh, uh getting married, and this is where we kind of now head into uncharted territory because we start to see a lot of. Ter- Turbulence in their marriage. Uh, we start to see some infidelity. We start to see a lot of um, kind of uncomfortable power dynamics uh, about uh, you know him needing to fulfill certain uh, duties as a member of the royal family uh, and. We kind of eventually start to see the relationship uh, crumble uh, and and the layers being peeled back. Um, all of this is kind of further exacerbated by a lot of British uh, politicians who are kind of constantly showing up throughout this movie to comment on her lavish lifestyle and the fact that there's a lot of British taxpayer dollars going to uh, finance uh, her life, her 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 you know lavish uh, wedding and the home they live in and the eventually the vacation home that they escape to to kind of get away from journal and photographers Uh, but uh, you know when all is said and done uh, you know the the marriage really kind of crumbles and and Margaret is uh, at this point in time kind of living in exile hiding out uh, at a friend's house in the countryside Uh, that's where she meets uh, a young man uh, named Roddy who's an aspiring musician who kind of lives on this very kind of hippie-ish farm kind of a a commune with a bunch of friends she stays there with him hangs out eventually the, the 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 press catches up to her there. And and this is where the movie really kind of like fizzles out. Like, I I don't know that this like final 15, 20 minutes of the movie, like anything noteworthy happens. Uh, uh, You know, ultimately she, uh, yeah, just kind of like ends her relationship with Roddy. Uh, and, And this movie ends with her, I think, just like standing on a beach, staring out and kind of in a state of uncertainty about her, what her future is going to uh, hold. So yeah, that's the, the queen's sister.
0: Yeah, I thought this was a confusing movie. It was hard for me to tell if they like Princess Margaret or not. It felt like a very unflattering portrayal, most of the movie of her.
2: I mean, it certainly felt like an uninteresting portrayal. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I, I think... Like uh, okay, so like when we compare this version of Margaret to the one that we saw in a royal night out, where she is very like kind of loose and bombastic and unpredictable and and very uh, attention grabby, I, I I see a lot of overlap here. I, I I imagine the crown probably gave us a version of Margaret that is much more like refined and elegant than what other depictions of her seem to suggest it, it, it's almost like the crown is the deviation from the kind of zany and, and loose and and wild Margaret that other portrayals of her have shown her to be.
2: I mean, it almost seems like these movies, like everyone except for the crown is taking her at like, whatever the headlines were saying, which like obviously are going to exaggerate sort of like the more interesting elements of like her being like you say, like a party animal and someone who's just sort of like, carelessly lavish and stuff like that like that's what it feels like and then the crown again i guess i hope that like it feels like it was giving her more of an insight into like who margaret was as a person i don't know because yeah she really didn't seem at all like that and like there wasn't even any any really real indication beyond like the peter townsend storyline that the press even cared about her so it's kind of interesting to see every other or especially this portrayal emphasize the press so much Especially in like the later years, where you assume that the, that the press like cared more about other members of the royal family. I mean, I don't know. It's it's very interesting.
1: Well, and again, this is this is where there's like a really weird like creative and logistical choice to like not show Elizabeth interwoven into any of these events. It's almost like she had no role in the whole Peter Townsend thing, no interest in the marriage with Tony, uh, no support or involvement uh, with anything that her sister was doing uh, beyond that. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's like we're seeing a version of Margaret who is barely a, rem- a member of the royal family.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if not having Elizabeth around makes some of those traits even stand out even more because I feel like in The Crown and even in A Royal Net Out, we're often shown like Elizabeth and Margaret as like two sides of the same coin where it's like the events of their lives kind of force them to divert from each other and you can see how each is trying to fill the role that the other isn't. But when it's just Margaret here, it becomes a little bit much.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Do we prefer, I, I mean, I feel like I know the answer. Do we prefer the Vanessa Kirby Margaret to this Margaret?
2: Oh, for sure. I almost wish that Vanessa Kirby storyline had been this expanded. Like, I kept wishing that we were seeing, like, Matthew Goode and Vanessa Kirby in some of these scenarios where, like, their relationship was more, like, you got to see more of it. Yeah, no, for sure. No offense to the actors, but, like, <laughs> maybe it was the writing, maybe it was their acting, but, like, something, it just made you, if you'd seen The Crown, you were like, oh. This could be better. Yeah, but okay.
1: The, the, the thing is, though, and, and yes, the answer is yes, I prefer the Vanessa Kirby version. But I also think that there is, there is something to be said about like Vanessa Kirby is just like a, an uh, like otherworldly in terms of how gorgeous she is and how much she can kind of like command a room with just her looks whereas i feel like we're now seeing a version of margaret not that this actress herself like wasn't beautiful but seems like she has to kind of attract attention more through her personality and her actions than just mm. her visual presence if that makes
2: oh, sense that's interesting that is true that is true
0: do you want to talk about so another i think pretty big uh, divergence between a portrayal that we saw in this movie and what we've seen in the crown was prince philip and i thought his portrayal yeah. in this movie was bizarre Um uh, because in the this crown is such a weird philip yeah in the crown he's presented as like you know maybe the one person in the royal family who's you know maybe pushing for a move into the modern age for the uh for the royal family and in this movie He's the first person in line to lecture Margaret about stepping out of line and sullying the royal name. It's a very yeah. 180 oh turn. Oh
1: my God. It's bizar- especially when you consider like the stuff that he was going through like parallel to like this timeline it it, it doesn't add up at all um yeah it, it's really bizarre because like you know, like our the interactions that we saw between Philip and the Margaret and Margaret in the crown were always so limited and always kind of left us wanting more and there was also like this weird like kind of sexual tension between them during those scenes and here we get a lot of that and it is just really bizarre to watch because he, he he's like very kind of like uh playful and manipulative but in kind of like this awkward predatory kind of way um it, it's it's a really really weird philip and and like i don't know like i i would hope it's like less true to life than the crown version was
2: yeah, and even the casting, I kept being confused about why they had picked someone who seemed like already middle-aged when it was so early in the timeline. <laughs> <Yes>. Where <laughs> yes. it was like, was he actually that much older? Or are you guys just <laughs> did you just pick an older actor to emphasize something here. I mean, okay,
1: because Matt Smith
2: was probably
1: like what, mid to late 30s when he started uh, like playing this role in The Crown, something like that. Yeah, I, would imagine. I think you're we supposed yeah. to
2: assume he was like early 30s.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, yeah, this guy, like, uh, considering this movie, like, be, probably, like, took start, like, initially took place in, like, the mid 50s, when all of the Peter Townsend stuff was happening. So, like, at that point in time, Philip would have been, yeah, like, you know, maybe about 40 years old-ish, uh, like, but, uh, yeah, point being, like, this guy looked like he was, you know, 55, 60, and... Just like, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's like they they cast him based off of like what they thought Philip looked like then rather <laughs> than like Phillip actually pulling that up time. <laughs> pulling up like any photo of this guy in 1955 and being like, OK, yeah, so that's how old he was. Let's cast somebody who looks like that.
2: It, yeah, it was just it was a very weird decision for me. And it made it very hard to like take that Philip seriously because it was like you guys did something fundamentally wrong here.
0: I was not a fan of this Philip. This Philip did not do it for me. Yeah, I know. What, what? How did we? How did we feel about Tony? I think Tony was the close. Like I feel like if you're comparing, like, uh, you know, versions of characters in the Crown to versions of characters in this movie, Tony is the biggest. Is the closest to being like, okay, I can see it, kind of. But kind I still of, prefer yeah, like- the Crown Tony to this Tony.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 But, but yeah, in terms of like who he was, what he was doing and what kind of relationship he had with Margaret. Yeah, I yeah. see it. But again, like their interactions just felt like so different here. He seemed to kind of like nervously stumble around her a lot more than the, the Matthew Good, uh tony did um yeah i i thought this movie was really bizarre because like at uh, my opinion of it kept changing throughout because in the very beginning it felt like we were just getting like this very abridged cursory look at some moments in her life like the the pace was like super turbulent we were just speed Mm -hmm. running through all of the peter towns and stuff um and then like you know probably Half an hour, 40 minutes in, the movie kind of started settling in with its pace a little bit more. It focused on the relationship with Tony and Margaret. And I was kind of like vibing uh, with that for a while. And then, yeah, like the third act of the movie when, you know, she and Tony have become estranged and she's hanging out with Roddy and out on the farm and all that stuff like then then it just really started to lose the thread like i i it it felt like the three acts of this movie could not have been more different from one another yeah
2: for sure and like maybe her life was like that but y'all didn't really connect it that well
0: yeah i thought it was weird that they chose not to portray parts of tony's life that the crown seems to really dive into like the scene where they they tell him that he can't have uh mr fry as his best man yeah. When we when we if we're to believe the crown know that like this is a very intimate relationship that Tony himself has, but that doesn't come up at all in this movie.
1: But but it's implied in that scene like the reason he can't be the best man is because of like, you know, speculation about uh, you know, what that guy gets up to in his free time.
0: And this is after we had that scene earlier in the movie where Margaret is like is the press around and fully makes out with her friend. Yeah.
2: It- <laughs> It's very strange that they didn't have a conversation about that.
1: Yeah. And that okay, so that friend was the did I hear that that was like the American ambassador's daughter?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where was uh where was she in the crown?
1: <laughs> okay, because like, but before before they confirmed that that's who that was, like, I thought it might have been like that lady in waiting character that we were Oof, briefly introduced to. <laughs> like, yeah, right, yeah. It, it was just a yeah, like no, it was. It makes me like, you know, simultaneously kind of question what wasn't factual about this depiction, but at the same time, go back and kind of like second guess some of the stuff in The Crown as well.
2: Well, it's just weird because you would think that someone who does know so much about like the press and like the workings of it and like what goes on in the palace, like to make a move like that in the 50s or 60s, like it would have still been a huge deal and something like you couldn't just sort of wipe away. I imagine like. That never really came back.
1: I imagine that kiss did not happen in real life.
2: I'm going to guess that because it seems like a yeah. weird Cause... PR move on Margaret's part.
1: And it, it it seems like a weird thing for the crown to have chosen to not
0: depict.
2: Yeah, especially with what they did with Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So I, whoever wrote this, I don't know why you were thinking, but <laughs> Stonewall hasn't happened yet.
1: Well, the other thing I'll say about this movie in general is like, yes, this was a made for TV film. Uh, it was from 2005. It easily looked like it was at least eight years older than that. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a- a- a-
0: everything about it just felt so outdated. Um, I agree with that. It's uh, it was the look of it. You know, it looked it looked older. I want to talk about this random member of parliament. Is this the prime minister? What is his role? Who keeps showing up they randomly like every time there's like a, a a thing that costs money his face just randomly appears and is like this costs a lot of money
1: <laughs> it was like Hamilton I think that is what they kept referring to him as
0: did you catch who he
1: was no I, in fact like, for all for all I know he he was a prime minister or he was just an MP or or uh, yeah I had no idea they yeah, that's the other thing. It's like if I wasn't already familiar with the story of Princess Margaret and Peter Townsend and, and Tony and all this stuff, this movie, especially like that first like 20 minutes of it, would have left me so confused. Like they, <laughs> they did not slow down to provide any exposition whatsoever.
2: Yeah, these royal movies really don't like doing that. <laughs> they just think you uh, you know everything. You wouldn't be here if you didn't really care about Margaret.
0: Yeah. I mean, in fairness, this was what a BB was. This a BBC movie. It's weird. It was a Channel Four movie channel
1: where 4 the DVD
2: movie.
1: release was through BBC Video, and I, I I don't know what that means.
0: Got it. So mm. they this is for this is for the British people. So they must assume that the the core audience is not three Americans trying to figure this out.
2: <laughs> but I mean, I, good know, movie making, please, <laughs> please, yeah, build your world. But yeah, I assume he's just some random member of parliament, like the way that we just have like random members of Congress like show up to do one terrible thing and then you forget about them. That's yeah. who this guy is.
1: Can we talk about my favorite character in this movie, Cronin?
0: Sure. Is Cronin the Butler? The the Butler.
1: Oh okay. That scene between him and Tony was out of an entirely different film
0: altogether. Oh my god, that's my favorite what? scene in the movie. That for was context. so insane. Yeah. This is for context. Uh, it's Tony. Um, He comes home. He wants to see his daughter, but Cronin has been given very specific instructions from Margaret not to let Tony see his daughter and chaos ensues.
2: Like they pretty (laughs) much have a, like they were ready to throw each other off balconies like
1: i mean they 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 were literally fighting and pushing each other and like yeah like tony was pinning him down and and in in the lead up like this butler is practically taunting tony it was like it's like something out of an adam sandler movie like where the butler was just like uh you you need a key where's the key i have the key like it it, it was the, but just then he doesn't the have a key shot that whole... <laughs> The way they shot that whole scene just it was there was something so comedic about it and I had no like we, we were watching the disillusion of a marriage and then they just decided to throw in some slapstick comedy to brighten things up.
0: Now I'm forgetting, was this before was this before or after Tony went off on Cronin about wearing his dinner jacket?
1: Uh after. Because I, I I don't I don't think like I think Cronin like quit after that moment, right? And he didn't even like tell Margaret why he was quitting. He just walked (laughs) up to her and he was just like, due to the events of this afternoon, I'm out.
2: I hope that did really happen. That's That has to be the one real thing.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. Oh yeah, one would hope.
2: That better happen in The Crown. Guys, if that doesn't happen in The Crown, (laughs) we have to stop this podcast.
0: Yeah. The dinner scene though, I thought was funny too because there's all these rules, Margaret and, and even Cronin to some extent are really, like, laying out all these rules for Tony. And Tony's point is, like, we're alone. It's the two of us. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, what is
0: happening right now?
2: We need a Tony point of view movie, actually. <laughs> Spencer 2. It's just called Armstrong Jones.
0: <laughs> um, Another character... That this was a very small part that came up in this movie that we did not, uh, that we've seen in the Crown was Cecil the royal photographer. He oh, was yeah. in this movie as well.
1: Oh, Cecil. oh, okay, okay, yeah, that was the same one. Yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. sure,
0: but in con- but he seemed to be like a like a friend of Margaret here because in the in the Crown, Margaret is like oh, Cecil boring, but yeah. he, <laughs> Cecil is like her confidant in some ways. So I thought that was an interesting shift.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting thing that they did here, um speaking of photography, is that they completely decided to not highlight like that that entire plot about her getting like a portrait done and and having Tony be the one to take the photo over, but then we see the photo hung up in their house several times throughout the movie and then there's even like lingering sh- uh, shot of it at one point point. and I found it a uh, very bizarre that they even though they're acknowledging that that photo exists here in the universe of the queen's sister, they decided not to like incorporate that into like the courtship between the two.
2: Yeah, especially when they care so much about highlighting her like relationship to the press. Like, (laughs) Come on, guys.
1: I will say this. I liked Tony's apartment more in this version than in The Crown. It seemed like much more bright and cheerful.
2: Wait, what?
0: I, yeah, no, I liked the I liked the Crown apartment better. This one has it? a weird <laughs> man outside who won't let you in if you're a woman. What is like, what is this? That
1: that just that just makes it more zany. But like his the, his apartment <laughs> in the, the, the Crown his was like, <laughs> his apartment in the Crown was so depressing. Like it was the middle of the day that she visited him, and it was like barely lit inside. It was it was it was dungeonous.
2: It was see, artsy. I was really paying attention to the bathroom, <laughs> and that was horrible. And they spent so long in that bathroom. So that's what did it um, below the other one. Because we didn't have to see the bathroom in that one. In
1: you don't apartment. have to spend time in this bathroom,
2: Carlin. They spent like, so I'm, I'm long in the like... bathroom.
0: <laughs> no, I thought the, the whole scene with the bathroom was weird. They were talking about like his dead children like that he didn't have. It was a weird scene.
2: They were trying to do the sexual tension in the bathroom. And I'm sorry, like, do you really think Margaret would like our you know princess margaret would be that into being in like a, it's like one of those outdoor bathrooms at the beach like that's what it reminded me of
0: all right so the biggest character uh like i guess trait of this margaret is that she seems to really want to be a singer um she oh, sings yeah! so much in this movie <laughs> and i don't think we've seen vanessa kirby sing once
2: she sung before Birdie died, and that was it. Oh, okay. yeah,
1: that was the only time. It, it, like, like, yeah. And like, like, in fact, like, I, I had to stop and like remember, like, did like, yeah, think back whether we even got any kind of uh, scenes of Vanessa Kirby singing after that, and and we didn't. Like, uh, the Crown either chose not to emphasize that, or or this movie just made it up entirely.
0: Yeah, how many songs did we get out of Margaret it was in this movie? So many. <laughs>
2: And she went to, like, Beatles concerts, like...
0: No,
1: no, no, she almost went to a Beatles oh, concert. Oh, I'm sorry, she almost she, went, she, to she went to a Beatles concert. She went to Hello Dolly instead. And by the way, like, <laughs> I, if there was one moment in the movie that actually did make me feel, like, some kind of, like, reaction that had nothing to do with, like, the filmmaking or, or the, you know, what have you, uh, it, it was the moment where she said, Hello Dolly, and, you know, she she's up on the balcony, and initially, like, nobody, you know applause for her and then people are kind of told to and it's this very it's a very cringe worthy scene not not because of anything like the, the film itself does but just what that moment is and what that means for Margaret I've, I had like a very visceral reaction to it
0: so this movie obviously continues past where we're currently at in the crown.
1: But but for all we know, everything in here was fan fiction. Like I I don't trust this movie. I I have no uh, no confidence in, in its ability to depict reality. For all for all I know, uh, she and Tony stayed married
0: forever. I was going to say it didn't make me excited if this is the <laughs> for what we're going to see in season three. If this is the case, like she just goes to this bohemian's house and like I don't know. Like what is happening here at the end of the movie?
2: Uh, yeah, I. I don't know. I didn't even know. I think it's it's also weird that they emphasize, yeah, like the money part so much because the crown just never talks about the fact that like these people are spending obscene amounts of money.
1: Speaking of like the the Bohemian like lover and the farm and everything, did either of you pick up on who that actor was playing Roddy?
2: No. no. Who was it?
1: Did you ever see the two thousand five Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley? Yes. That was Mr. Bingley.
2: Oh, <laughs> you're right. That is Mr. Bingley. Wow, 2005 was a big year B-
1: for this Big guy. year for him.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: wow. Oh, yeah. Did
0: you know that or did you look that up after? Did you recognize him? No, it, it,
1: it, no, no. it, it was bothering uh, like my wife and I while we were watching it, and, and she made the connection after a few minutes. Uh, oh, nice.
0: Okay. Is that the Matthew McFadden in Pride and Prejudice? Or yes. no It was.
1: Yes, Okay. that's the
0: one. All I right. wish we'd watch that instead. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's hard to say because they're both they both end up being pretty terrible. Who's more at fault? I guess for the marriage falling apart. If we are to believe this movie, is it Tony or is it Margaret? Well, or I guess what's the split? Is it like sixty forty, Margaret? I mean, so okay.
1: Yeah, I. Ew, that's a tough one because, like, I, I'm trying to like reconcile you know, pieces of the story with pieces that we saw in The Crown uh, and trying to, like, kind of come up with a coherent narrative. But I I just, like, it's, first of all, it's hard to trust anything that this movie showed us. Um, (laughs) I mean, going back to your earlier question of, like, is this movie trying to portray Margaret favorably or not? Like, I'm, I'm still a little torn on that because it's very much her movie. You know, it ends with her, like, you know, on a beach staring out, But yeah, I I don't know if, I don't know what this movie is trying to say about her.
2: So, my only take on this, and I wrote this down in my notes and I don't have anything else for it, (laughs) but there were weird parallels between Margaret and Tony and Diana and Charles in like the sense of the idea of like the press liking or like the general public liking the woman more and then like the man getting emasculated because of it. And so, in that regard, because I think every single parallel that you can possibly make back to Diana puts the woman in the favorable light because that is the universe of the royal family. I think it likes Margaret. That's my theory. I don't have any, I don't have any evidence for that. That's just it. Okay. It. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't disagree. Yeah, that, that, that checks out.
0: Yeah, we got to, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff about Tony getting emasculated with choosing the baby's name. I don't know. Is there anything else really to say about this movie?
2: if you want to talk about the animal sounds that was so weird I mean like the intro to Tony was so weird where I didn't even expect him to show up then like I was just like oh here's another meandering scene of really weird things happening in Margaret's life and then it's Tony and you're like what
1: it was it was a much more like involved introduction to him because in The Crown, it's like, you know, they sit down next to each other at the end of a of a dining table at a party and then just get to talking. Mm-hmm. But this is like a much more like elaborate way for them to come together.
2: I thought it was weird. But yeah. yeah, this movie definitely suffers from like biopic syndrome where they kind of just depict events without there being like <laughs> themes or like narrative threads of like structure within a normal movie of arcs. It's I fine.
1: Think, I think I think that's like like it's a specific type of biopic syndrome. It's like made for TV biopic syndrome, <laughs> where like yeah, the the budget and the the runtime of the movie only allows you to do so much, and if you try to do a lot, you're not going to do any of it that well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure.
1: Uh, real quick though, uh, what like what do we believe happened? in uh in uh, tony's loft with the mirror wherein in the crown she wrote the name beryl in this movie she just made like a little cartoon drawing with a crown like what's going on there and 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 what happened in real life
2: okay so i say that unless the writers of The Crown are so self-involved and so self-absorbed that they think that they're going to make up what happened and then name an episode after <laughs> it, I think it really was Barrel. That's a lot of emphasis to put on something you make up.
0: I think so, too. Also, the mirror in this movie looks like they got it from like Bed Bath & Beyond. It was so small. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I was not impressed uh, by this
2: mirror. It better have been Beryl. We can't look it up. <laughs> But it's, it's really weird because, like, the
1: mirror is such a specific detail for them to have included that, like, okay, they did their research so far as they knew that he had a mirror in his apartment where a bunch of, like, famous uh, photo subjects of his have left their, their insignias. But they didn't go that extra mile to incorporate the whole barrel element. And probably because they just didn't have the time, you think?
2: I mean, less people really don't know. But... I feel like we would know what was actually said or written on that mirror.
0: I don't know. There were a lot of scenes in this movie that we got in the Crown that were just really truncated in this movie. I think they they just were cutting a lot. I think for the sake of time, which they didn't have to. They didn't. Need, did they need to go all the way to 1970? Whatever with her plush phone. I don't know. <laughs> like, did that really add anything?
1: Oh, I, I not Oh, I totally blocked out that scene already. The, the, <laughs> oh, the phone. Oh, god. I mean, to everybody listening right now, all all two and a half of you that that hasn't seen this movie, <laughs> this scene it, is reason enough not to. Yeah. You're not even <laughs> describing the
0: scene. <laughs> okay, Sam, describe the scene. Uh, I mean, I kind of got lazy at the end of the notes, but um. Let's see. She's partying, and then she really starts spiraling. She's drunk. Um, she's drunk a lot at the end of the movie. Um, she's <laughs> ranting about peace is better than war. She's also uh, eaten a brownie.
1: She's not just drunk, right?
2: Oh, she, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a pot brownie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they like told her to take
1: like a bite of it, and then she ate the whole thing, which probably contributed to the, the level of behavior that she was exhibiting that night.
0: Yeah, and I don't even know. Who was she trying to call? And at one point, she's using her shoe as a phone. Yeah. it was Obviously,
2: she was trying to call Elizabeth. We'll just never know.
0: Yeah, this movie really, no like, <laughs> crawled to the finish for me.
2: <laughs> this was, like, it the really second did. to last
0: scene of the movie.
1: Yeah, like I said, like, I was I was fading out a little bit in those last 15 minutes. Because, the, again, the movie just, like, shifted tones and, and structure so many times. And I, I liked the middle of it i i was a little like you know kind of off put by the first part but the the last like chunk of this movie was just so dreadful you know what would be neat if there was like a fan edit of this movie one day that like edited in um claire foy and just like incorporated her (laughs) into the story
2: oh my god someone out there it's your destiny
0: I feel like we're the only people who can do that because we're the only people with the actual. Part of me thinks there's like one DVD copy and we have it now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I really wonder, like, it, it just feels special. I feel like nobody knows this movie exists. <laughs> I, I, I feel like everyone involved with it probably has just like this very, like, you know, innocuous, like, yeah, it was a paycheck attitude toward it like yeah it's nothing to be ashamed of it's nothing to be proud of it's just kind of it just kind of exists
0: uh did we like this more than we
1: i i, I would say uh again like that kind of middle chunk of this movie the second act that was mo- mo- all about like the marriage turmoil and really kind of honed in on her and tony i i, I felt like there was there was a good movie in there and and i enjoyed that you know, overall more than both the rest of this movie and any part of WE.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that.
0: There. All right. Um we always give kinky crown awards, but I feel like for a movie that had a weird amount of nudity, like yeah. full frontal, it wasn't particularly kinky a whole oh. lot.
2: We Do you mean that animal noises that? aren't gonna be like put on this list? No, I think the
0: animal noises for sure, but like the scene with the the, the drag queen
2: yeah I know I didn't know
0: I, yeah I don't why why I don't even know why that was in this.
2: there was a weird amount of like queer camp that was never talked about. <laughs> well,
1: and also like the the sex scenes in this movie were something else, like yeah there I, were I
2: felt very uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> there were multiple sex scenes in this movie. they were all very brief, and they all just looked very uncomfortable, I agree. it was not. And, and they didn't <laughs> they didn't they weren't always like, you know, the, the, the same um, the same partners either. But in the mind of whoever wrote and directed this movie, like sex is always something that you show as being very like brief, rough, uncomfortable and just. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Like, it, it, yeah, it took me out of the movie in, in, a, in a really just unsettling way. Yeah, cuz th- this is like cuz I'm not first of all I'm like this I think this is like the first thing we've seen in kind of royal uh like media that had any kind of nudity in it and it was like
2: uh, am I wrong? The crown had a little bit.
0: Not from Margaret though. But it was
2: like really No, it was Margaret. It, wait, no. Uh yes, I think there is it's really stylized so you don't really see that much.
1: Oh, with but, her and Tony like in his Yeah. OK, so great comparison, like really stylized, really artsy, really kind of like, you know, like moody sex scenes compared to like whatever the fuck this was like. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
2: this felt like uh, those scenes they just add into HBO shows for like a, a, a count that they have to hit. Yeah,
1: right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but back to your point, Sam, like I I think there was there was actually like a lot of kinky stuff in this movie.
0: Uh, yeah. Ivan, please, please share.
1: Well, OK, so uh, we so we didn't even mention the fact that during the disillusion uh, of her marriage, she was having an affair with what was it like the prime minister's nephew? Is yes. what they identified him as? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and uh, there was one at one point in post uh, coitus when they were in his bed, uh, you know, ta- they were just, you know, talking about. uh Her being daddy's little girl and then like him kind of singling out as like singling her out as like daddy's special little girl.
0: I did have that. That was one of the things that I did have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there was like, I'm not saying that was good kinky, but it was. Oh, Mm. yeah. It was definitely Mm. very, very in your face.
0: Yeah, I think the point of this movie was that if you ever play piano for Princess Margaret, there's like a 75% chance you'll have sex with her.
2: I, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Which makes it really unfortunate that Birdie played the piano in the crowd. Oh, I was going to
1: say, Sam, <laughs> I'm glad Carlin said it and not me. Oh, man. OK, so that's my nomination.
2: <laughs> Just end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll do the animal sounds.
1: I mean, those are the only two wait, that wait, I really which had. Which, which specific well- animal sound?
2: Oh no. Oh no. Is it ribbit? Pick a, pick a specific animal sound? What
0: was her was her friend doing the frog noise? Uh, ribbit? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so.
2: I mean, I also kind of want to nominate Tony like full on tackling that old butler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, are we are are you not nominating like uh the the kiss between her and the uh, uh, American ambassador's daughter?
2: I mean, do you want, I can also nominate that. What are we up to? How many do we have? We can only put like four on the Twitter poll.
1: We've got Daddy's special little girl. Uh, we've got Ribbit. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else did we have? Uh,
2: I guess I'll pick the, the kiss. Okay. And then we did technically also have the butler. If, we, if you don't have another nomination.
1: Wait, what was kinky about the butler? Please explain that to me. <laughs>
2: What are they men who roughhouse or touch each other at any point in historical movies? To me, is kinky because they weren't allowed to do that back then.
1: It was illegal. It was violent. Like they were.
2: Nah, nah. This is some fun.
1: No, this this was like this was vitriolic. Like like Tony was pissed. Like he 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 wanted to kill that old
2: man. (laughs) That's you know what that can lead to love. I we don't have to nominate it. I'm fine just nominating the the kiss. Can can I exercise like
1: veto power and say like I don't want like the butler thing being nominated?
2: Sure, <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs> You're like that's at that. This is where I draw the line.
2: I, I'm not passionate about that. I'll fight you on some other nomination down the line. I'm sure.
0: Is this how many veto? Is this your like one veto? This is it. <laughs> and you've we get
1: one veto get, every season. I, one veto every season, and luckily we're at the end of this one.
2: <laughs> nope, we still have one more movie, actually, so no vetoes then. Get ready. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> next time to- next time is going to be risky for me. Yeah. Car- Carlin's going to go out of her way to nominate something that I'm going to hate.
0: Yeah, you used your veto. It'll be down to me if I, if I want to veto it or not, I guess.
1: Okay, so Ribbit, uh, uh, Daddy's Special Little Girl, and The Kiss with the American Ambassador's Daughter.
0: Ivan, where are you going with this?
1: Uh, I am going to go with the kiss. I, I feel like that that's just a very straightforward and, and more more innocent example than the daddy's special little girl thing. Carlin, what about you?
2: I, I'm going to go with the animal sounds. That's like the most unique thing in this movie.
0: I think I'm going to go with the animal sounds as well. I think just the whole scenario, like they drew sounds out of a hat, like, <laughs> and had to find their matching sounds that just... The entire, you know, uh, setup for this was just another level. Yeah.
1: So I know we're we're, we're winding down here and, and I don't want to open up a, a, a can of worms, but what was actually going on in that scene? Was that like a swingers party or was it just like supposed to be a fun little game to get people to meet each other?
2: I assume a game because she wasn't like in any relationship for it to be a swingers party, right? Don't you have to be married for that? Maybe not a
0: swingers party, but like a sing if they're all single, maybe. Yeah, no. oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, all. exactly. A mixer,
1: because it seemed it seemed like a lot of those people were like do like doing their meetings and encounters in bedrooms in that house.
2: Mm.
0: Except for Tony Armstrong Jones, who just sat in a bathtub.
1: Well, well you, <laughs> yeah. Which, you, you know, you know yeah. how much that man loves a clean bathroom. This is a rare <laughs> opportunity for him to spend time in one.
2: So yeah, you know what it makes sense for him. Yeah, I'm okay, going to assume so. it with some kind of like intentionally romantic sexual like game that they were playing. That makes sense. Cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. Love it. All right. Um, all right. So that I think should take us to a wrap here on the Queen's sister. Are we gonna are we sharing what we're doing next or is it a surprise? It's a surprise.
2: Yes it's a surprise. All right. Surprise Surprise
0: for next time. So stay tuned for a surprise. Um, Ivan, if people want to find you on social media, talk about the queen's sister. They want to maybe watch it themselves, <laughs> and they're they're looking for you for tips. Where can they do that?
1: Well, they're going to have to emit a very specific animal noise that I will respond to. So <laughs> you're going to have to
0: draw draw
1: a noise out of a hat and hope it's mine.
0: <laughs> Carlin, what about you?
2: Um, I'm on Twitter at Carlin Greenwald on Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E.
0: All right, and I am on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. but the best place to reach us if you have any questions about the podcast or any suggestions is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. Uh If, uh, you know, you are interested in hearing any of our earlier episodes, you can do that on any platform where podcasts are available or our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash crowningaround. And that's all for now. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: And... Yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, despite being absent in this movie, God save the queen.
0: God God save save the the queen. queen.